The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is sponsored by James Oliver Coffee Company at jamesolivercoffee.com. James Oliver is a second-generation family-owned and Detroit-based coffee roaster, offering 19 different blends of freshly roasted coffee. The company pioneered link temperature roasting, and they source the best beans from around the world to create an outstanding coffee experience, no matter which beans you choose. To start, try the alma mater blend. James Oliver Coffee gives $5 for each bag of its alma mater blend to the Detroit Public Schools Foundation. And don't forget, use the promo code CFSHOW, that's CFSHOW, to get 15% off your first order. James Oliver Coffee, available at select grocery stores in Metro Detroit and, of course, at jamesolivercoffee.com. Remember, use the promo code CFSHOW to get 15% off your first order. That's jamesolivercoffee.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me today. I don't always say what day it is because you can listen to this whenever you want. That's the beauty of the podcast world, on-demand listening. Now, technically, it is a Tuesday here in Detroit, September 1st. Um, and, and I'm really excited about something because for the bulk of my adult life, there has been one chunk of property in the city of Detroit that has sat vacant and unusable for a long time. Well, my friends at the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy are changing that, at least in part. The Uniroyal site, that last piece of land between the Riverwalk and the, and the bridge to Belle Isle, is now being repurposed as part of the Riverwalk. And joining me right now is the uh, president and CEO of the Riverfront Conservancy, my friend Mark Wallace. Mark, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, it's great to talk to you today, Craig. Thanks. Well, this is a huge piece of news because you and I have talked about this before. What's going on with the Unaroyal land? What's going on with that? And, and finally, we had a, a breakthrough not that long ago where you were given uh, the right of way that you needed to get there, but now it's actually starting. The work has begun. This is a huge thing for the community. It's a huge thing for the riverfront. And anybody who's ever come down to the riverfront and got to Mount Elliott Park and sort of looked across towards the Belle Isle Bridge, uh, this is a, it's a game changer in terms of the way that whole system works. Really exciting about this well and, and talk a little bit about what you're doing because it's not the entire site i don't want people to think that all of a sudden this is all going to be repurposed as parkland but it does give you the land you need to keep going and complete that eastern side of the riverfront that's right we're really excited about it because this is sort of the, the first of the dominoes to fall and the story goes back a long ways i mean the city purchased the site i think in 84 86 you know way back in the day um and uh Senator Levin actually provided an earmark for, with some funds back when he was in office to make some of the final connections to the riverfront. Originally, these funds were intended for the west side. We repurposed them over to the east side, which was a complicated legislative thing to accomplish. Um, but the project we're talking about today is cleaning up part of the river so that we can build the river walk. And the river walk will set the stage for the construction of new development on the site itself. Um, and again, this goes back to a lot of different partners a lot of different leaders. Um, previous administrations had told us that they wanted us to wait until uh, the developers knew what they were going to do with this site before we started the Riverwalk. And when we put this in front of Mayor Duggan, I'll never forget it. He looks down the table at me and he says, why aren't you starting this faster? Like, how soon can we get this done? Uh, so the green light and the leadership from the city to build the public space, uh, let the developers meet the public space instead of let the public space meet the developers was really transformative. So what we're starting with uh, right now is a partnership with the EPA, and it's cleaning up some of the contaminants that are in the water. Um, as everyone knows, that site was heavily used for industrial purposes, 
Um, DTE came in and did an astounding job of cleaning up a portion of the site that had some historic uses on it. Uh, but that center portion where you had the tire factory really you know, didn't have any, um, any relatives to pay attention to it um, this, this many years past that use. So the EPA stepped in and the Riverfront Conservancy stepped in. Uh, they brought $2 million to the project and we brought bringing 900000 to the project. So we'll be cleaning up the water so that we can build a river walk uh, and make that connection to Belen. Well, and, and tell us a little bit about what it's going to look like, because you do have to do some interesting things. There's a, a process called capping that I'm not completely familiar with. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about the actual work that has to be done. Yeah, if, if you drove across the Belle Isle Bridge today, uh, which I'd recommend, the, the, the memorial is up the next couple of days. Sure. I highly recommend everybody take a look at that. Um, Rochelle Riley, the team, done a great job. But if you drove over the Belle Isle Bridge, you look downtown, what you're going to see is a, a big... Uh, a boom in the water and what that's doing is it's a, it's what you call a, a curtain um, that keeps the sediments from moving and if you can imagine you've got you got the edge of the river you got the water and then at the bottom you have um, various levels and it's just like any beach in Michigan that top level is a little bit dusty it kind of moves around when you step in it um, so what we needed to do was make sure that the materials that were in that sort of dusty level the sediment level um, get locked into place because any construction that we do, we didn't want to kick those up and just send that down to the Renaissance Center. We wanted to keep that in place and make sure that the fish and the wildlife don't interact with it. So that boom is keeping it in place. We're going to put down a reactive uh, carbon mat, just like a filter you would have on, in your house, on your, on your water heater, or maybe on your, um, your air filter. And what that carbon does is any of the contaminated materials that start to move will actually attach to the carbon chemically get locked into place and not, uh, not move down the river. Um, so it's really great. What that means is that the fish and wildlife who uh, eat in there and, and spawn in that location are not going to be interacting with the contaminants and that the contaminants don't just keep moving down the river, which is sort of the history of, of what we do. Um, a lot of the industrial uses have just continued to sort of very, very slowly roll down the river with the current. Um, so once we're done with that, We'll put a, a, a revetment, which is a, a big pile of different types of stone that are designed to hold the edge of the river in place. Um, and this is, again, much better ecologically than doing a seawall. Um, a seawall is just a hard metal edge. You can imagine where your boat docks. Um, even the best of those fall apart after 75 or 80 years. So this stone should stay in place. We'll have to do some maintenance on it over time. But what it does, it stays in place, and it gives us a healthy river edge where we can build the river walk. Uh, and we're going to start that construction in the spring. And so, uh, yeah, there's work going on right now. Um, and, and to see it actually happening on that site is pretty, pretty amazing, given the history of that site. And like I said, I remember, uh, you know, I was, I was ticked off at Euroil for a long time. One, when I was a kid, I used to buy Ked's shoes directly from the factory there. Uh, <laughs> take the whole family down, get your pro Keds at the, at the Euroil plant. Uh, and then, of course, my best friend's father was the HR director. And when they closed the plant, he moved away to another uh, state. And so, really? you know, and, and then, of course, then it's set empty for so long yeah. uh, and you look at it now and you said something interesting a minute ago when you talked about instead of uh you know you guys meeting the development development meeting the recreational space instead so you're going to get a head start on whatever else happens there uh how do you hope that alters sort of the development plan for that site yeah I, that site is obviously one of the coolest sites in terms of new construction i mean the, the sun rising behind bell isle is, is is our equivalent of you know, Governor's Island in New York where the sunrise is behind the Statue of Liberty. It's about the coolest place you can imagine. There's southern exposure, there's an international uh, border right there, and you got the beautiful Belle Isle Bridge and obviously that park. We, we really hope that this connects 
question changes the way people are able to use the riverfront in that, uh, you know, a day at the riverfront transitions from coming down for one or two hours to maybe coming down for four or five hours. You know, spend a couple hours at Robert Blade Park or splashing around at Mount Elliott Park and then ride a bike or walk across or, you know, get on one of those those darn scooters and zip across the Belle Isle Bridge and spend some time on the island. Um, we really think that those are opportunities for people to spend time outdoors, um, get some exercise, get some recreation, uh, and really make some of those memories that are so important to our community. Well, and, and having that final link, as you mentioned, is the difference between spending a whole day there and not. I mean, it's, it's less a destination, and now it's more of the journey is, is the important part because you can traverse the entire thing. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and, and that's, if you look at the riverfront, it's, it's really a, a system of parks. And I think that was the, the genius of Faye Nelson and Matt Cullen and others who conceptualized this is that, you know, if you build one great park, that's great. You go and then you leave. Um, but if you build a park where you can, you know, you imagine splashing around at the fountain outside of the Renaissance Center. And then you go down to Cullen Plaza and you get a bike at Wheelhouse Detroit or you, you stop at the cafe or you get on a boat there. You walk 10 minutes down now to Robert Filet Park you can get on a barge and have it have an adult beverage while your kids are playing around in the sandbox in a lifeguard PlayStation. So the diversity of experience that we have is really makes it an exciting thing. And then you can walk around the corner and Joseph Campo and go to Andrews or go to They Say or go to um, go to Atwater Brewery. I mean, you can really have some great experiences there because it's a connected system. Um, and because, you know, going from point A to point B, you're still going to be safe. People are going to be taking care of the space. And you're going to run into a lot of people, too. I think that's what makes the Riverfront special is all the people who show up. I should remind folks, my guest right now is Mark Wallace. He, of course, is the uh, president and CEO of the Detroit Riverfront uh, excuse, Conservancy. Uh, that's the word I was looking for there. Um, they have started work, finally, on the Uniroyal section, uh, just just uh, west of Belle Isle there. And uh, it's really, really important, the Belle Isle Bridge, I should say. It is, again, that last sort of piece uh, that's going to be able to link uh, everything from the Renaissance Center down to the, to the MacArthur Bridge. Uh, and... It seems you've built some new things along that stretch in the last few years. How much more utilization of the stuff that you've built on the east side do you think uh, you're going to see now that this last piece is going to be put together? Because they have been sort of disconnected. They have. And, and Gabriel Rashard Park in particular is the piece that's been disconnected. Um, our chief development officer, Cassie Brensky, lives a couple of buildings down from Gabriel Rashard Park. And I think during the COVID era, she's kind of translated that into Cassie Brensky Park. She's been spending most of her days down there. Um, but for those of you who've had a chance to come down to Gabriel Richard, I think everyone realizes it's one of the more special places in this city. Um, this is one of the first parks that was built along the waterfront. And it has um, just a grove of beautiful mature trees. And then the site drops from, um, from the Jefferson side down to the water. It's about a 15 foot drop. So, you know, imagine, you know, those paintings of Paris back in the day where people are outside under the trees and, you know, they have their blankets out and their food. Um, that's really the type of experience that Gabriel Richard Park gives you. Um, so I think to be able to go from Mount Elliott Park where we have the splash pad, you know, kids are running around just going nuts all day, every day. Um, and then walking underneath the Belle Isle Bridge to get to this beautiful, peaceful place um, with a beautiful canopy, a great view of the island, and then all of that shade and all of those mature trees. I think that that experience is going to be really powerful. Um, and it's one of the things that we've been doing since COVID hit. Um, as an organization, we typically try to get as many people to show up as we possibly can. I mean, our hashtag is bring everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we've tried to do this year is really encourage people to use spaces where they're not as densely um, contained, but we're still having uh, a lot of people come down. 
So we put up a lot of signage guiding people to um, the Belle Isle that, that gave her a sharp part. We really encourage people to use the DeQuinder cut, which ha can handle a lot of capacity without getting too crowded, um, because obviously health and safety is really important um, given what we're dealing with. So it's been exciting. Uh, well, you know, I, you mentioned the DeQuinter cut. Uh, some news came out just this morning, as a matter of fact, from the city. They're putting out RFPs for a couple of properties along the DeQuinter cut in Eastern Market. Um, okay. You know, talk, uh, how much is the cut responsible for some of the interest we're seeing in, in that area? Because it se certainly seems as before this was there, there wasn't as much interest in that property. Yeah, I, no, I, I think the DeQuinter cut has been just a huge benefit to the community, first of all allowing so many people on the east side to get down to the waterfront. Um, but also, you know, the work Dan Carmody is doing in the Eastern Market has made that place so exciting. It's always been an authentically uh, important place to our community. Um, but his idea of uh, incubators, his idea of supporting local retail, really you know, trying to make sure that we have as many um, you know, farmers and artisans in that area, I think has really been powerful. Um, but what you've seen around the country is that investments in greenways like the DeQuinter Cut or the Highline in New York or the 606 in Chicago um, have really um, brought people together and uh, accelerated the pace of economic development. Um, I think without the DeQuinter cut there, people might be looking at those spaces as, as loft rehabs or maker space, but I think um, the idea that those can be great places to live is, is largely because of the public space. Uh, Mark, one of the things that's amazed me about this entire process from the beginning uh, of, of the planning of the Riverwalk, and it really has been several, several years now that this has been going on, but I mean, it's, I've always likened it to herding cats because there are so many different property owners and so many different interests in the land and what's going to happen on the land. Piecing this together, I know is not an easy job and you've got to convince a lot of people that this is the right thing to do. It may not seem like it's in their financial interest if they own this land. When they see the end results, is it becoming easier to convince people that this use of the property is the right use of the property? Yeah, it is. There, there's so many great precedents and the DeQuinter cut is one. Um, you know, we, we've talked uh, not in detail. We've had a couple community meetings on another greenway that would connect the train station um, over in Corktown that Ford is renovating down to Ralph Wilson Jr. Centennial Park. Um, and I, I think it's easy to, to say this is the land and it's gonna feel like the liquider cut. And, and that rings a bell in people's minds. Um, so it has become somewhat easier. At the same time, land ownership is always very personal. <laughs> uh, if you're an individual, and it's very important if you are a corporation. So we have to be really sensitive to what people's um, particular needs and, and desires are for their space and be very respectful of providing um, unique solutions for their, their needs. Um, you know, a classic example of that is the boardwalk at Riverfront Towers, which recently completed. And both the boardwalk at Riverfront Towers uh, and the Uniroyal site are going to be developed in partnership with Michigan Department of Transportation. Um, and uh, when we started talking to the residents of Riverfront Towers, you know, their initial reaction is we're worried about safety. We, you know, if we open up a part of our site to the public, you know, does that mean we're going to have noise? And does that mean we're going to have, um, you know, additional crime or are we going to feel like our private space has become public somehow yeah i look out my front door and i see a sidewalk there so for me it's not too offensive the idea that somebody <laughs> i'm not related to could walk in front of my house but um we came up with a solution that really separates um the public space from the private space so everyone in those uh, buildings who can come down and enjoy their plaza and their trees and their benches that's all still private but the public you know a mother or grandmother who's walking from Ralph Wilson Park down to uh, the Rensen 
they'll be able to stay on the water side and not have to fight with all of that infrastructure uh, over on Jefferson. So, um, yeah, every one of these is is unique, and uh, Uniroyal is no exception to that. You know, the city, the Environmental Protection Agency through the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, um, yeah, MDOT, they've all been great partners in this work. Well, you know, th- that, that sort of then begs the question, like, okay, once you get the initial vision finished, uh, does there become a push for more? Does there become a push for an extension? Uh, you know, because water access is difficult. Uh, the further east you get, the further west you get. I mean, it's it's kind of you know, it's not easy to do when you start getting into neighborhoods and things like that. Um, so, is this going to be it, or do you start looking at a different way to to expand your reach? Well, kind of two things. As you go to the west, the city's done an amazing job um, of working on the Riverside Park site. Um, a lot of people have discovered the skate park there. The playing fields that the Detroit Recreation Department built are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Dick has done just tremendous work. Megan Elliott, others in that that world have just really moved the needle on that. Um, beyond that, you get to the port of Detroit, and obviously that's a really important function for our community. So, um, you know, but beyond the port, you get to Fort Wayne. So trying to connect those assets is really important. You know, our general idea is that you want to have, uh, you know, a, a pathway that takes to the water in a convenient and comfortable way, uh, connecting all the major population centers on the east side and west side down to the waterfront. So that could be Grand Boulevard on both sides, East Grand Boulevard and West Grand Boulevard, taking you to Belle Isle, uh, taking you down to Riverside Park. Um, the other thing that I would say is that the, the concept of connecting communities through greenways and public space has really, again, been catching on around the country. and. Um, the city again has put forward a really um, impressive vision around uh, the Joe Lewis Greenway. And I think that would be one of the next projects that I hope to see. And uh, from my conversations with the city, I know that um, there's a lot of great people working on uh, how to build that. Uh, they've been doing a lot of community engagement over the past couple of years. So I would hope that we would have some sort of a, a greenway uh, connector that would bring people from throughout the city down to the waterfront and connect them to the cultural institutions, connect them with jobs, and and really um, so sort of help to stabilize those communities and raise the value of the existing residents and all those good things. Well, Mark, I mean, one thing I think we've learned uh, throughout the, the recent pandemic and, and everything that's going on with that is the importance of having spaces like this. Um, outdoor spaces where people can go and feel safe uh, while they're out there getting the distance they need, but also the fresh air they need it to avoid going stir crazy. Uh, you know, how much of an asset has this become? And because it seems to me that, that when I went down there not that long ago, there were a lot of people out, uh, they were enjoying it and everybody seems to be responsible for the most part. Yeah, it's been amazing. So we intentionally this year um, did not do the big pushes trying to encourage people to come down. Um, we have a first-time visitor strategy that we usually deploy, trying to get people to come down for their first visit. We have a lot of events that we either postponed or canceled. Um, and despite the fact that we have not pushed for uh, higher attendance numbers, we've seen our attendance spike. So the Riverwalk itself is up about 20% over last year, and the Dequindercut is up about 50% over last year, which is amazing. Um, and as you mentioned, most people are staying uh, distant from each other. Um, they're not... Uh, interrupting other people's pods. Um, they're coming down with family members and friends who they know, uh, and they're staying at a, at a respectful and respectable distance. So, um, and to your point about times like these, I, yeah, not only have we seen wealthy communities flock to public spaces, but communities that are disadvantaged or isolated, it's so important. Um, you know, you think about what it would cost to 
you know, build a playground in everybody's backyard. It'd be astronomical in the city of Detroit, but you build a couple of playgrounds or a couple of parks that people can get to. And it's really a, a very efficient way to make develop, you know, make investment in equitable spaces and, and make those investments uh, benefit a, a really wide um, section of our population. Well, you know, I'm not sure you can, I, I, maybe you have figured this out, but what is like, you know, the ideal capacity for the river walk on any given day or to quinter cut for that matter? Were you concerned about, you know, the, the fact that we're going to have restrictions and you want people to space out? Were you worried about whether or not you could handle attendance? Yeah, absolutely. We were. And, and a lot of that is anecdotal. Um, but looking around, trying to see how close people are, you know, trying to, trying to estimate the population that was wearing masks. Um, we spent a lot of time in that direction and our operations team did a great job and we, we had to make some tough decisions too. We did not open up our splash pad at Mount Elliott this year, which breaks my heart because there's nothing I like more in the summertime than watching those kids just having a ball. Um, but we didn't think that we could limit the capacity and we didn't want that to be as busy as it is in a typical year. Um, We've been doing some work with the University of Michigan. They've helped us with some, um, some work where they have sensors to identify how many people are coming through the spaces. And that's given us some assurance that people are, are maintaining safe social distance. Um, but it's tough. And, and again, as we saw in Chicago, the entire lakefront was shut down. Um, the Highland in New York, which is the number one tourist destination in all of Manhattan, uh, was shut down for a period of about three months. Um, the Atlanta Beltline was able to stay open, but they had signs telling people to not come. Um, you know, keep this open for senior citizens who need it for exercise. Keep it open for people who are using it to get to their jobs. But if you're just coming down for fun, don't come to the bell line. So yeah, there were a lot of tough uh, decisions we had to make, and I'm really proud of the team for uh, making good decisions and keeping the space open and relevant. All right. Well, Mark, I've kept you a long time. Just one last question. I know you've said this already, but when can people expect to be able to walk? on that section uh, by the Unroyal site. Yeah, we're hoping that you'll be able to walk on this section in the spring of 2022. Um, should be construction on this sediment cap uh, this winter and then about 16 to 18 months of construction on the river walk itself. But I'm hoping spring of 2022, you and I can walk from Mount Elliott Park all the way up to Belle Isle. That'd be a great time. All right. Well, we appreciate your time. Congratulations on uh, getting this piece of the puzzle taken care of. It's not a small deal. I mean, if it was easy, it would have been done 30 years ago. Uh, and it hasn't been until now. So congratulations. Thank you very much. And again, thanks to the EPA, City of Detroit, Department of Transportation. I, amazing partners have made this uh, move forward. So really grateful for everyone who's worked on it. All right, Mark. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Mark Wallace, President and CEO of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy, joining me here on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, we have conversations like this all the time on the program. If you like it, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, rate the podcast. All of that stuff helps. Gives me more accurate numbers as to what we're doing, how many people are out there checking it out. And don't forget, leave comments on my Facebook page. Send me emails to thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com if you've got ideas or people that you want me to talk to or think that I should be talking to. I'm open to those types of suggestions. Don't forget, on Fridays, live on Facebook, we do 
the week that was on Deadline Detroit. We're going to have it live on YouTube as well going forward, which I'm looking forward to. So look up Deadline Detroit on YouTube and you can watch it live there if you prefer. It's an easy way to do things. Uh, Look for a new and improved setup for the program. Should make it much more interactive. Should make it more pleasurable to look at for sure. Um, I can't do anything about me and my face or anything like that, but we can make the broadcast a little bit better, the live broadcast. So look for some changes there. And while I have a second, thanks again to my brand new sponsor, James Oliver Coffee, jamesolivercoffee.com. I've been drinking this stuff for a couple of weeks now, and I got to tell you, I'm digging it very, very much. They've got this roast called Country French that um, I'm quite enamored with, but uh, I also got a new blend, uh, the Alma Mater blend, and the cool thing about that is five bucks from every bag you purchase there goes to the Detroit Public Schools Foundation. So support them that way. And again, don't forget, if you check out their website, and I seriously hope you do, they are a Detroit-based company after all, and they make good stuff. Use the promo code CFSHOW, that's CF. S-H-O-W-C-F show. Use that. Get 15% off your first order. Give it a try. Support a local business. We certainly do appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Uh, We will talk again very, very soon. I've got a bunch of stuff happening this week. So look for a show probably in a day or two. And then, of course, Friday, the week that was. Don't miss that. We've been getting a lot of traffic for that and having a lot of fun with it. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. People like James Oliver Coffee make it possible, and so do people just like you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk again soon. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com slash membership.